hit the mark live with Facebook, but we've had some difficulty doing that. So give people a few minutes. We're glad for the folks that join us live at Facebook every Monday, depending on where you are in the world, you can find us every Monday here at Facebook Live, and we are. Welcome. Welcome to Scale Up Heroes. We're up to episode 19. Each Monday, we are here with the heroes to bring you the best minds, the best real-life experiences when it comes to scaling up businesses. Uh, with us every week are panelists that are the heroes that took on the difficult odds and are living to tell the tale. To all of our viewers, we invite you to visit our website, scaleupacademy.io. Today, we're discussing scaling up sales, and we welcome our viewers and our guests to the show. I want to introduce today's moderator. He is Dan McKinnon. Dan is the VP of Sales at Cross Engage, coming to us from London. Welcome, Dan. I'll let you take it away. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Randy. Um, yeah, I'm VP of Sales for Cross Engage. Um, Cross Engage is a customer data and engagement platform, and um, I've been at Cross Engage for seven months, and um, we are looking to scale up all areas of our commercial team. And that kind of lends itself to the topic today, which is around team building in the commercial uh, environment. Um, but before we move on to some questions, I thought it'd be good if the other panelists could maybe introduce themselves. Uh, maybe we could start with uh, Dylan. Yeah, hi, I'm Dylan from Malaysia. Yeah, I've been over Obike for like um, nine months. I'm the director of Obike. So like we had a first like um, um bike sharing from the Southeast Asia. So we started up from the, uh, Singapore and we are expanded to like more than 20 countries for the past two years. And we have been like in 30 cities so far. Yeah. So the speed uh, we go of uh, business is is uh, consistently um uh, on um is uh, like on par with uh, the big Google company so that we uh we make sure that the speed is there. Okay, maybe Francisco. Hello, everybody. I'm uh, the general manager for N26 in Spain. I am actually traveling very much across our headquarters and also our uh, Spanish office. So I think one of the key topics that we will be discussing today is how do we build uh, a team that can have a uh, good connection with the headquarters, but also have a local impact. And I think that's where I can add uh, most value with my experience in N26. Prior to that, I built Funding Circle in Spain, and I will also be able to share some experiences regarding that team that we grew here. And finally, Junction. Hi, uh, my name is Chin Xian. I'm a CEO of a company called MoveUs. Uh, we're a startup, we're less than a year old. Uh, the business we're in is an international relocation of professionals. So uh, by nature of our industry, uh, we already interact with uh, people and partners across the world. And that poses like specific uh, challenges that we seek to overcome. So uh, hoping to share a little bit more about how we overcome these challenges in a bit. Great, thanks for that. Um, so the topic today we're talking about is actually team building and building out that commercial environment that all, we all work within, um, potentially across different uh, territories. So I thought a good starting point would be the different types of roles that you guys are looking to hire or your experience of hiring in terms of um, building out those commercial teams um, and where you put the priority. What are the priority roles that you would start with 
in terms of building out that team. Does anybody want to um, maybe start off there? Francisco, why don't we start with yourself? All right, let's kick it. Yeah, let's kick it off. Uh, so, um, first of all, one thing that I needed to have clear when I was interviewing is the knowledge of the market, right? So, really, how important is it to understand the market needs and uh, and the basically the value version of our product? In our case, M twenty six is a mobile bank, and we need to understand that we are targeting a it's a b2c business but obviously there's a lot of commercial relationship that we can build with our clients and most importantly with partners that will be able to sell outside so it's how do you understand the market first of all when we when we started hiring how flexible are these people in order to like just not do one type of role but as we grow adapt as we see one kind of opportunity or the other uh, and and for that experience is very relevant but it's not the key thing so I would say you need to hire somebody with some, some experience to be able to go out there and uh, express themselves and uh, open connections. But uh, most importantly, it's the, that, uh, in, that push that that person will have inside and the willingness to sell, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you've mentioned sell there. So I'm assuming that you're looking at sales roles as the, the first port of call in terms of growing out the team. And you also touched on another topic there, was, which was a, a combination of different roles. What type of roles are you merging together? So, first of all, it's how do we... So, the, the two roles that I think are key is like that sales profile with that longer-term strategic vision on where are we going as a business? Where do we see that opportunity? As we are growing a business that it is not really clear what's the commercial path. It is not just selling loans, right, as a bank. It is really uh, finding those opportunities on, on, and adapting our product to how our customers uh, behave, right? So we need somebody that's very, very good at speaking, but also very good at listening. So those are uh, two key functions for us. And I would say that the one thing we do when, when we interview somebody uh, at, the, at the very early stage is, okay, how would you actually sell this to me? And what would be the main questions you ask me first? What would be the three questions because as a salesperson you need to be able to know who you have in front right okay so if i heard in there it was quite an interesting point it almost sounds like you're building out your um, organizational chart at the beginning and then working from the beginning to on that journey towards where that might be but you wanted to understand what that might look like at the very beginning of your journey yeah pretty much so i i know how the team how i want it to look like uh i do hire people that are able to grow those those teams below themselves, right? So it's it's more like really growing a, a tree, let's put it that way, right? So the big branches will start growing more and more and uh, the business will develop that way. And Dylan, any, any comment from you with regard to the, the types of roles that you're looking to hire and, and which roles you've prioritized? Yeah, we do have that, like um, the core value, the company when do a hiring. So that's a few core value and the, the, the point that we're looking at when we do the hiring. And for myself, what we're looking at is the number one is a flexible because we are startup and um, the pace very fast and you, 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 we have a lot of deal with government and a lot of issue uh, with the consumer and everything is immature yet because like, no one knows why is it, tomorrow will happen. 
And then second thing is uh, we make sure we have the thing the team that we hire is a um, global thinking but local execution, so that we can do something is the localized to ensure that um, the strategy we don't not just the blindly follow the the HQ but we fit for the culture, and then the sentiment for the the society the local society, so that make sure that our our p uh, our message to the to the, the, the local customer is uh, relevant to them so and then the third thing will be like they need to be um, outstanding and never settle down so never settle down for the standard so always consistently to push themselves to improve in terms of like um, the, the user experience and then or um, the strategy and then the operation to that to, to provide better services okay so having heard both the answers so far, it almost seems like it's not about defining what those roles are. It's more about finding good people, A players, and then kind of adapting them into the roles you might have available. Do you have any comment, any thoughts on that junction at all? Yeah, I think like similar to, to uh, Francisco and, and Dylan, hiring the right person definitely solves a very big part of the problem. Uh, but I, I guess for us, because we're in international relocation, um, going to market in a very aggressive way is actually um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a prerequisite for us. So the strategy that we chose was basically to send people from headquarters out. So th that way, these people are already familiar with, uh, I guess, our modus operandi. Um, they're familiar with our faces, right? They know the, the processes within. Um, what, how, how this works for us is basically that uh, the, these people go out there to figure out our hiring needs for us. So for example, we've expanded to India and Australia and uh, we are like an eight month old company. Uh, it's not the first time we're doing a startup, but uh, yeah, but this is the first time we're executing a plan in this way. So we basically like identify, like, like Dylan mentioned, right? Like outstanding uh, like generals, if you will, send them out. Um, there's going to be a fair amount of localization that's going to, uh, it's going, it's going to play out. Uh, and basically we trust our generals to figure out the hiring needs. So typically, I guess like uh, uh, from organizational structure perspective um we, we tend to hire two sales people and one sales operator so uh one one mid to senior level person who comes with networks one junior person to do a little bit of the, the, the legwork if you will and then like a sales operator basically to run uh, some of the, the fulfillment and administrative requirements so uh, it's a lean team but typically when we uh, go to market uh, especially international markets we send these launcher teams there and then they figure out uh, as, as a consequence like uh, the hiring needs. Yeah, we, we just feels a little bit faster and it's a little bit more efficient that way because uh, the challenge is that we, we don't know what we don't know. So the fastest way to figure that out is to try to know what we don't know and then we, we can go about solving that, right? So yeah, I guess for our company, this is basically how we go about uh, going to market. And do you, have, and do you have examples of different territories where you've allowed different types of recruiting structure to build up the team and yet it's both working? Because I, right. I, I have a feeling that maybe if, if you allow them that freedom and then it, the, the first time it doesn't work in a territory, you're going to say, well, it's working this way in that territory. And you're going to say, let's continue with that, that sort of process moving forward in the other territories. Right. So uh, it's a good point. I guess like, uh, uh, especially in Southeast Asia, like our, our area is extremely fragmented. So uh, like consumption habits and therefore execution habits and in uh, Indonesia, it's going to be very different from Malaysia, very different from Singapore, very different from Thailand. The language is different, the culture is different, the way uh, consumers consume, uh, the way they make payments are different. For example, in Indonesia, people are used to cash on delivery. So uh, whatever services that you bring to them, you, you pay on the spot. 
Personally, in Australia, people are just more comfortable paying by PayPal right, or credit card, for example, because it's reversible. So that that kind of affects the, uh, the operation requirements. That like it's entirely different, right? The fulfillment teams are entirely different uh, because like if you need people to be carrying cash to and fro uh, from Indonesia, you know, you, you might need like bodyguards or something in Indonesia. True story. So like I guess like a. Uh, um, yeah, then just comparing these two examples, like Australia and Indonesia, they're entirely different already. And therefore, uh, the cost structure is different. Uh, labor is, is, is a lot cheaper in Indonesia, and therefore, the first part of call is not so much how you automate the biotechnology, which might take time, it's how do I solve the problem like tomorrow by turning humans at it, right? And then like in Australia, it's entirely different because the minimum wage is like, I don't know, 20 US dollars, right, uh, per hour. So uh, obviously, the, the first part of call is to try to solve it using technology. Uh, yeah, so just comparing these two examples, the hiring needs and therefore the, I guess the, the solution to the hiring needs are entirely different. Yeah, so we've had a couple of people now mention potentially opening up new territories and landing with A players who are able to build their own team. It sounds like these people are typically from a sort of commercial background. On that basis, I'm, I'm thinking the operational type of people tend to be in head office. Um, how do you make that work? And I'm thinking particularly around roles, around solutions and, and client support. How do, you, how do you make that work when you have um, a, a sort of a, a foreign territory to head office? Um, are there conversations around who owns what particular role? Do you have any examples around that? So for us specifically, uh, and we probably can get, get like the money because this goes like an important as well. But for us, um, I think from the onset, we define a headquarter roles as a support function. And then like kind of like in the army, right? And then like every other uh, territory, it's, it's sales heavy. So uh, the, the key matrix that we drive in the short, uh, to maybe the short medium term would be sales figures because, uh, you know, like revenue numbers basically drives our, our key metrics, which helps us with our fundraising requirements, right? So. Uh, yeah, so first and foremost, these guys, especially our overseas uh, territories, I think revenue and market share acquisition is key uh, for us. Uh, and then like at headquarters, basically, we try to centralize a lot of our operational uh, support functions uh, in support of all these sales figures. So uh, we don't fix it till it's broken. And at our current stage, it's, it's not really broken. But I think as uh, we grow and as we scale and we face localization requirements, problems, I think like Dylan uh, correctly shared like uh, uh, regulations and continuously changing regulations are, are a thing and a, and a problem in Southeast Asia. Yeah, uh, when that happens and it comes to the breaking point, then we start hiring teams uh, locally to solve these very specific problems. But uh, in the near term, uh, to be efficient, we kind of house all of our uh, sales support uh, in headquarters uh, for speed primarily. Yeah, um, and, and this not necessarily for Junction, maybe for Francisco, when you're um, hiring these A players in, in sort of foreign territories to head office, at what point do you start to sort of separate the specialism of, of what somebody does in their role uh, and what determines when that happens? Is it driven by the number of clients? Is it driven by revenue? Is it driven by expertise? At what point does that happen? I think it's actually driven by the size of the business that you're generating, right? At the very early stage, you need to be highly connected with the decision makers in the company, meaning the headquarters. And uh, you need to be traveling a lot there. And you need to actually engage with, with the managers um, in headquarters to understand where the company is going and how to push that product. As, as you see the market developing and, and knowing what works and how you, how you want to grow in that market, then you can start focusing on performance uh, and, and really have that person in charge running a team that is not that connected to, uh, to headquarters. 
This, however, the, when you make that decision is the, I would say, a key critical point in the business where you say, if it's too early, you screw up. You, you might lose a lot. If it's too late, maybe, well, uh, you're spending a lot on, on traveling and really not having the right people to push it uh, hard, to push your product uh, hard enough. However, the one thing that I think it's key to always keep in mind in headquarters is that it's a, it's a two-way road with uh, not only headquarters pushing growth, but also the local office pushing market knowledge. And I really explaining what's happening in the market and why, how are the local competitors behaving and how to adapt to it and how to understand that maybe in different geographies, you have to act differently as Junshan was mentioning. Yeah, it's an interesting area. That, that's quite often where the, um, the disconnect kind of happens between head office and local. Um, have you ever had an example of where maybe the strategy in the local market has been pulled back, stripped back and started again? Or is it best to just keep pushing forward and, and go with what head office says? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> so um, I think the, the, the challenge is always to explain why they need to make smaller changes to a global product when they don't understand the market. So let me put it into a bit of context. If, if we're trying to have a European product and we're selling that same European product across geographies, that could work. But you need to understand that possibly, and, and it's our case, our customers use the product differently across geographies. Yeah. So even if we were able to say, okay, we got a global product, it works. Okay, the, the, you need to understand how customers behave around that product. So it's it's key to be able to explain that and, and to be able to like share that because of that, there needs to be a different selling uh, strategy, right? Yeah, okay. And what about, what about yourself, Dylan? Uh, what sort of speciality roles um, did you implement in the business early? And I'm thinking, as an example, something like um, a go-to-market strategy. Does it always have to be direct? Is it channel and direct, or is it channel only? Is there, a, is there a, you know, which way does, is the right way? Uh, Dylan, you're on mute still. So we tried a different way to do that, uh, and we tried. Of course, we bang a lot of walls to find out the the, the best uh, strategy for us. And and sometimes with the market, we'll go for like the, the the local market driven. So meaning that we understand the market and then let the local people we empower them to do the right the right thing, the strategy as long as they align with the KPI and then the fundamental with the company, and we do it as take. And some country we do by um, the top-down strategy, meaning like uh, everything is according to the HQ, and we align once we align with HQ, we just push for that. So it, it really depends on the country and the market. Once we 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 understand for both, because so um, there's not really one um I would say um one answer for both. So we we try to adjust be flexible. And we when we out. Yeah. So we've mentioned about go to market and sort of building out teams. I'm wondering if anyone has an experience around not actually going to a market, but learning that market through a maybe a, a reseller of an offering or a platform. Um, do you have any experience of how that work might work and, and the pros and cons? In the um yeah, 
the pros and cons definitely pros definitely is like when you know something better you know you know the culture the the market faster but the cons definitely is like um sometimes let's say we have a foreigner you don't know know why is uh the politics issue and then like why is the sensitivity issue during the market so it, it kind of bad for us because our our um our business is sometimes it will be like um like street bank with the government and because of the, the policy and government try to protect to make sure that the, the, the city is clean and nice but however our business sometimes will make the city quite messy so you know these, these kind of things that we need to understand more and there's a pros and cons for that yeah, and and is there, I guess, for the sort of Southeast Asia area, is there a, a, a differing strategy in terms of where you go and when based on languages and, and um, how that might work within the business? Um, not, re- not really, yeah. yeah we, 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 I think we go by the, 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 the I would say, these are more uh, suitable for the market mm-hmm. and, and, and which one we have, we see the potential and we believe in the market. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, yeah. And, and Francisco, it sounds like you're a, a, a bit further in your journey and you have experience from the past. How many different teams can you have within one commercial team? How many different roles? Is there too How many? many? Different roles, that's a, it really depends, I guess. Uh, we, so at Finding Circle, it was very, very clear how we actually build uh, the teams, uh, it was mature, far more mature business than N26. And, and how we actually set up was there were, I would say, five agents and one manager for every five agents. Uh, however, that manager will also do part of the same activity uh, on the sales process, right? And uh, you could have up to, I would say, eight teams with that, with that eight, six people teams with that structure and the two and the two people and the two different managers that will do the more qualitative and quantitative uh, I would say evaluation and also management and will cover each other right so I think I think it really makes sense to have junior and senior people in those five I would say more agent level um, that could also they could also learn and teach from each other and also give them 20% of their time opportunities in developing in different parts of the business and also uh, evolving on the different types of clients they're approaching and, and really uh, making sure that there's a, a career path for them, right? Even though at some point you start seeing the churn. So I think, yeah, so I think talk, that's... You talk there about junior and senior, but what about things like demand generation team, SDR teams and specialist um, pre-sales? given your experience, is, is demand generation a topic that should be very much separated? Um, that, really, that, that very much depends on the funnel that you have and on the, on the churn that you have or, or, the, or the people that fall off and how much you can re- recuperate or recover in the middle of the, of the funnel, right? How People that you lost. Uh, you mentioned SDR, yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, I would be mostly concerned. So I strongly believe that in most cases, the first contact and, and, and maintaining that contact with the client is very relevant. A person that you can identify well, uh, instead of actually passing the ball from one level of the funnel to the other. Saying, okay, yeah, I, I think that uh, also allows the, the agent to be a bit more diverse than just doing one activity. Right. 
she prefers the a sort of buddy system where the senior manager is helping the junior so that the first point of call with the um, customer is the best possible scenario. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly it. Okay. Are there any questions for maybe even for me uh, from anyone with regards to scaling out teams and, and, and or any problems people have in their current business that they'd be looking to share and see if we can help? You, I think you mentioned something that was very relevant. Do you use different channels? Or do you use uh, direct? So around partnerships, how do you actually uh, can grow in a country with that or like leveraging on that local expertise that's already there instead of building it yourself, right? So it's how do you how do you look for that partnerships that are the the big the most important ones? Yeah, I I think um, the conversation around um, demand generation team versus uh, sales team, um, what types of roles to land? It there's I don't necessarily think there's always a right answer. I think it will vary from territory to territory. I have experience of opening up in new markets where we've outsourced and used a demand generation agency and it's worked. Um, I've used them in territories where the language wasn't English and it hasn't worked so well. And, and I believe maybe in those territories, you've got to land with maybe a team of five in one go in order to make that process work. Um, so it, it can vary. I, I, I do buy into your idea that you want, and it depends on what you're selling. Um, you want the first person that's speaking to that um, or client or prospect to be able to have an engaging conversation rather than it just be a tick box of, yeah, can you tell me this or that? Um, so I, I think the model will vary. Um, I think things like go to market directly versus channel are interesting. I think my personal experience, if you're going to do channel, I think you have to do it as a hundred percent effort. It can't be a, a dip in dip out. I think it's an all, all in um, strategy. Um, so yeah, I, I guess with any scale, there's, there's, there's not always a right or wrong. It's more about what works for your company, how, how your offering works and, and the territory you're going into. But I think as you described at the very beginning, I think, product fit is a good sign if that works then you then you build from there that was a long answer to the question <laughs> that's good um, is there anything else from anyone so maybe uh maybe i we, we can wrap up there then randy so i i think it's a as i just described i think it's a very interesting conversation i think it's something that can i think you can learn from but at the answer may vary from company to company in terms of building. And I think having that experience of failing is probably invaluable in, in all cases. Why don't we start with you, Dan, and we'll go, let's go around the horn and give everybody one last shot for those people that are in our audience that are, that are trying to learn from this, what would be your, your parting words of wisdom? So I, I kind of touched on a little bit um, when Francisco was talking earlier on, Building the teams, I think it's really important to have something to work towards. It may not be where you end up, but I think having a organizational chart about the different types of roles, what their, what their job titles, what their deliverables are at the beginning, and then filling it in from there. You need to be agile, but at least having a goal. So when you're hiring, you're making sure you're not just hiring people for the sake of it, but there's actually a defined structure in mind. I think that's a good starting point for anyone. Dylan? Yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah, uh, because um, the structure is very important as a fundamental for company. And 
and especially the hiring coming coming with the core value to according to the core value. So we'll be we'll 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 make sure that the the core value is top down and then control so that in wrong one, even though your company is skilled to like your massive and other country, so that you 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 still can control the gist of it and then like uh you you know that the strategy and then the the mentality and the people they won't they they the they they still align because the end of date align is very important for me. Francisco, you're on mute. The one point we mentioned, uh, and I think we all agreed on, is that uh, A players at the very beginning are uh, very valuable, uh, also uh, relevant if they know specifically the market, local market concerns, uh, and you're able to adapt to that quickly. And then really understanding how you can find good executors to actually scale up that thing very fast, right? I think the secret to finding those A players is a whole new podcast in itself, though. <laughs> Indeed. It's a series. All right. You get our last word. <clears throat> Myself? Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I guess I can, like... Summarize already. So I uh, fully agree with uh, I think what you all, all the other gentlemen that has shared. Um, and summarize it in two, I guess, broad topics. Like uh, I really like what Sir Richard Branson said. Like uh, I think like when it comes to A-list players, like uh, sometimes we find good ones. Often I think we find ourselves training them up because as a young company, uh, you know, you work with younger people, right? So a lot of it is uh, about empowering them rather than being able to push like really, really uh, uh, high quality talents from day one. So uh, I think Sir Richard Branson once said that like uh, train people so that they would leave, so they're good enough to leave, but treat them well so that they will stay, right? Uh, I think that holds true, uh, like uh, it, it's at the core of our beliefs in our company. And especially as a young company, we know that um, all of us, you know, that we have development needs, right? Uh, but ultimately we want to treat our guys well so that they're going to stay with us for the long haul. Uh, I think, I really agree with what, uh, especially like uh, Dan chat that uh, as we, because like in fast growth com uh, companies, like it feels like a tectonic place below your feet hours shifting. And when your daily life does never normalizes, it, it can create a lot of stress. Therefore, like uh, having clear KPIs and goals tells them, hey, like, you know, we, we're on this ship, we're heading to Spain and, you know, this is the direction. Um, it's going to be like 15 days away. So now we're at day three. It gives people a little bit of, of hope, I guess, and direction. And that way it keeps them uh, sustained. Yeah, so I, I feel like uh, having, uh, exactly like Dan mentioned, having clear KPIs that uh, our guys can, uh, you know, like mini milestones, right? Our guys can target along the way, really lend some form of clarity to the uh, to their everyday work and uh, that sustains the morale. So yeah, I fully agree with the gentleman. Very good. And thanks, Dan, for moderating. Thanks to the audience for watching Scale Up Heroes and a special thanks to all of our panelists today. We invite you to visit our website, scaleupacademy.io, to learn more about us and what we do. And if you find these live shows valuable, we hope that you'll hit that like button and share today's show. Join us next Monday. You can see us every Monday here live on Facebook for another episode of Scale Up Heroes. In the meantime, everybody have a great week. Thanks, everybody.